Here's another inspiring message from Northside Community Church, Sydney. Thank you. Well, we start a new series this morning called Encounters with Jesus, uh, particularly as we head towards Easter this year. We want to look at some of the different encounters that people had one-on-one with Jesus Christ and what that says to us about God and about uh, the gospel and about the Christian faith. And this morning we want to look at Jesus, the religious, and a mess. Because last time I checked, and I don't know if you've discovered this, but life gets messy. Wouldn't you agree? Life can get messy. Life gets real messy. And just to put you at ease, I've gone and researched some of the greatest messes of history. For example, NASA accidentally taping over the original video files of the moon landing. Mm. The Leaning Tower of Pisa only took 177 years to build and 10 years for it to start leaning. So, hate to be the architect on that one. Another classic, the Titanic. Remember that boat that no one ever put lifeboats on because it was unsinkable? (laughs) Uh, Or, if you were one of the executives at Decca Records who turned down a little-known band called The Beatles because you thought that their records wouldn't sell. Right, so aren't you already, aren't you glad that you have never messed up like that, right? I mean, don't we feel good moving out of church this morning? But before you get all, you know, full of yourself, <laughs> before you get all judgy McJudgy, I'm going to ask you to make a confession this morning. And uh, you can confess it with me. And it's going to go like this. I know a mess when I see one because I am one. Right? Anyone brave enough to say that? That I know a mess when I see one because I am one, right? And uh, look, just to prove that I'm the sort of preacher that swallows his his own medicine first, I'll confess one of my messes to you happened when I was a a teenager and I thought it would be a really wise thing to do to go and uh, play badminton in the backyard of our holiday place with my cousin. And as we're playing a nice, you know, afternoon summer game of badminton, uh, I decided to listen to this rock band. Uh, They were called Guns and Roses. And uh, there's another photo of these guys up here. They're a, they're a lovely looking bunch. There they are. Look at that. That's just straight from, uh, straight from the 80s. <laughs> right? I thought it would be a good idea to play badminton to Guns N' Roses' Get In The Ring. Right? Which um, back then you didn't have the little E symbol on the CDs. They didn't tell you that there were rude words in there. You'd be ripping off the effing kids while they'd be paying their hard-earned money. They want to know about printing lies, starting controversy, Get In The Ring. And I won't repeat the rest of the words that we had, which was kind of, you know, it's inspiring for badminton. It gets you going, I tell you what. It was a mean game of badminton. Only challenge was uh, that badminton game and those speakers blasting that that music out, that hideous music out, uh, was right next to a retirement village. (laughs) So you can imagine, you know, a lady out there with a cup of tea, ready for a nice morning overlooking the lake. And she had a full-on dose of Guns N' Roses. Needless to say, I spent the entire rest of the next day in my room paying for my mistakes. See, the thing is, whether you're religious or not this morning, uh, all of us have been, are in, or one bad decision away from a mess. And whether it be a, a relational mess, a financial mess... A physical mess. Um, maybe some of you are messes right now. 
maybe some of you are in between messes. You know, there's one in the rearview mirror and you're just worried about the next one that's coming up. Maybe some of you have made your mess and like we talked about earlier this year, you saw it coming and you wondered how you got there and you're right in the middle of it at the moment. Some of you married a mess, you saw it coming, people told you. <laughs> you wouldn't listen. Thank you for your grace. Some of you are living with a mess right now, right? You didn't ask for it. You didn't want it. You've got a prodigal. They're running from you. Family's got a dynamic going on, right? <laughs> Life is messy. And look, I don't want to sound depressing this morning. Wow, what a wonderful way to start. I don't want to sound depressing, but here's what I want us to get. Have you ever thought about this? That it's actually the mess that is the one thing that you and I have in common this morning, right? We've all got mess, the mess is the one thing that brings us together. But the problem I find as a pastor when we talk about these messes, and when I talk to people who have got the messes, the messes are the things that can make us feel far from God. Have you seen that in your friends or in family? There are people who say, hey, my life is a mess right now. I can't deal with God. I can't deal with the Jesus thing. I, I don't want to deal with the Jesus thing. I'll deal with Jesus when I get my mess right. Everyone, anyone ever heard that before? <laughs> I'll deal with Jesus when I get my mess right, when I get my life together. And I think the thinking goes like this, that if I can't even live up to my own standards, then how the heck am I going to live up to God's standards? And more importantly, like, I don't want to be in a, in a, in a room full of other bunch of judgy, judgy Christians. <laughs> They're going to tell me that I don't live up to my own standards. Like, I know that I don't live up to my own standards. I don't need a Christian telling me to that I don't live up to my own standards. Amen? <laughs> And so we assume that like our messes must disappoint God, uh, that they must anger God. But I want to show you today how Jesus deals with the mess. And by the way, quick side note, if you're the sort of person that's sitting here thinking this morning, I don't have a mess, right? I, you know, whatever, you know, I don't have a mess. You know, you're, you're already onto Google, you're already onto Facebook, you're already scrolling. You're like, that's, this is a message for someone else, right? Um, danger. That is a dangerous way to think about Jesus. If you think that you don't have mess to be dealt with, Jesus deals with it. And there's no better story or encounter in the Bible of Jesus dealing with mess than a woman who was caught in adultery. We know this story, right? We've heard this time and time again throughout church. If you haven't grown up in the church and you haven't heard about it, Jesus goes to the temple and he encounters this woman who's literally been dragged outside in the dirt and by a whole bunch of religious men and she's been caught in adultery. And these men drag her out into the dirt and they ask Jesus a question to trap him. And in fact, it's a brilliant trap, absolutely brilliant trap, right? Because she's been accused of adultery, which is punishable by death, by stoning. Come out there with a whole bunch of stones in their hands ready to go. And so they say, say to Jesus, well, what, what shall we do with her? And so brilliant trap because Jesus is stuck between, on one hand, if he's compassionate towards the woman and denies that she's broken the law, then he can't say that he's from God or of God because he's not for the law of God, right? So he's kind of stuck with, is Jesus going to be compassionate with this woman? Uh, on the other hand, if he comes down on her with the law like these guys, then there's no compassion for her. She's left out on her own. So the whole trap is being set. And here's where we see the genius of Jesus in this encounter. And here's what Jesus does. I'll front load it for you. Um, Jesus messes up the good and he makes good the messy. He messes with the good and he makes good the messy. 
in this, right? Because he messes with the good first. It says here in John chapter 8, the teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and they said to Jesus, teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery and the law of Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? There's the trap being set. And so Jesus then goes on to say, okay, well, let any one of you who is without sin be the first one to throw a stone at her, right? Anyone ever heard that phrase, whether you're a Christian or not, to say, you know, if anyone's without sin, let them cast the first stone. We've heard that one, right? To which I've been reading this passage wrong for so many years. Because the way that I thought that what Jesus is saying here is that I always thought that Jesus is saying here, well, you know, nobody's perfect. Right? No one's perfect. Just take a look at yourself and unless you're perfect, then don't, don't chuck rocks. Right? That's what I learned in, that's what I learned in Sunday school. Don't chuck rocks you know, unless you're perfect. Right? But it's actually not what Jesus is saying in this passage. And it's actually far more brilliant what he's actually saying is, you are not qualified under the law to be executioners of this woman. And as we get deeper into it, you see in the Mishnah, which was a, a Jewish commentary on the law, uh, basically uh, the Mishnah said that if a law court had any more than one capital death in seven years, it was a slaughterhouse. So the thing we have to understand is that Jews just didn't go around chucking rocks at people in the old days, right? This is not a normal occurrence, right? <laughs> This was something very significant. Capital punishment was very significant to the Jews. And so for someone to be accused of capital punishment, being stoned to death under the Jewish law, there had to be two eyewitnesses that saw exactly what happened, their accounts had to co collaborate, and then maybe there would be a consideration of death by stoning. And so as we get into this passage here, what it shows us is that for her to have been caught in adultery, and I don't want to get too graphic here, there had to be two of these blokes who've seen her in the act. No kind of opinion, no kind of, you know, bed sheets and a cigarette type scene from a movie, right? Like it's, I know it's awkward to talk about, right? But it's, um, they had to have seen her in the act. And more importantly, under the Old Testament law, for her to have been punished, it wasn't just her, but both the parties were to be stoned to death. And so question class, Where's the bloke? <laughs> Where's the other guy? Now, we could hazard some guess. We don't know. But he's either nicked off or he's in the crowd with him. And so this is not just an act of the Pharisees wandering around and, oops, we wandered into someone's house seeing them, a woman caught in adultery. This was entrapment. This is a setup. This set her up. We could speculate to say that maybe they've set her up to set Jesus up. And they've set this poor woman up. And this is why I absolutely love the brilliance of Jesus. Jesus is not saying, oh, well, no one's perfect. No, he is fighting them with a the law. He is cutting them apart like a barrister. He's saying, you dare to come down and to accuse this woman by the law. But in accordance with your law, there's also the law against partiality. And this is entrapment of this woman because I can't see where the guy is in all of this. You haven't brought him to be judged in all of this. And so he says, come on, let's, let's fight in accordance with the law. Anyone ever heard this read this way? Absolute brilliance from Jesus. That Jesus absolutely dissects them with their own law. You remember in Matthew, he says, I've not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law, right? So Jesus, on one hand, is he is all truth, which means for you religious types, for you good types, here's my tip to you this morning. Don't ever fight Jesus with the law. <laughs> He'll dissect you like a barrister. 
You know, a Christian is just someone who says, I fought the law and the law won, right? <laughs> a Christian is someone who, who recognizes that, that there's no possible way that you can live up to these standards of the law. And I'll tell you how you know this, whether you're a Christian or not, right? Because has anyone ever in their life ever quoted this when they get caught out with someone and you say, but hang on, nobody's perfect. Anyone ever said that? Oh, no one. What, you're all perfect. <laughs> right? And for us to say that is to acknowledge that there is a perfect standard that is. Whether you're a Christian or not, I would push you to say, you know that there is a, a standard of, of morality and of behavior to abide by. And so here's what religion does. Religion always sets up a standard of acceptance, which Jesus says, if that's how you want to live your life, that's fine. So long as you rigorously apply that standard that you have for everyone else to your own life. Sound like a fair deal? He messes with the good. And so Jesus says to you this morning, if you want to come to me and if you want to come to God on the basis of being good, that's fine. You just need to make sure that you perfectly and in an unbiased way apply that level of scrutiny of everyone else's life on your own life. Anyone willing to go down that path this morning? I know which one I'm heading towards, and it's what we then see from Jesus, not only messing with the good, but then he makes good the messy. What does he do? He turns to the woman as we continue to read on, and he says to her, essentially, neither do I condemn thee, go and sin no more. Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you, right? Because what happens in the story? Rocks just start, you know, thud, 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 thud. Thud of rocks go, everyone, everyone wanders off. He says, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Now go and leave your life of sin. And here's the other brilliance of Jesus in the way that he deals with her now. Because we've dealt with Lord Jesus, barrister Jesus, and now we see the beauty, but also the balanced compassion of Jesus. And here's what I mean by this. Look at the way that he deals with her in the order of this. First, the first thing he says to her, you know, notice... Notice how he doesn't say to her, oh, it's okay, darling. It's okay, sweetheart. Oops. Oh, he doesn't say that. He doesn't go, oops, it daisies. <laughs> he doesn't say that. The first thing he says is, I don't condemn you. I don't condemn you. He, he says to her, honey, you've been up to something. He says, I don't condemn you, but you are a sinning. You're a mess. Stop that. Stop it. <laughs> He says, I hold you accountable to that. I demand change. I demand difference. I demand a conversion from what you're doing. I demand a change of life. And so can you see the balance with Jesus here? You know, there are a lot of people out in the Christian world that think Jesus is just all grace. You know, that we come to him and it's like, oh, well, you know, oopsie daisy. No, Jesus, Jesus is saying, no, I don't condemn you, but stop that. Don't keep doing that to yourself. And you know what Jesus offers to the messes? And I don't want you to miss this this morning. Look at what we see God demonstrating to us in Jesus. What, what he's demonstrating to us this morning is no matter how big you think your mess has been, no matter how big you think your mess is, no matter how unfixable you think your mess is this morning, what does God offer you? He offers himself. He meets you in the mess. Which shows us a couple of things. First of all, you don't have to sort your mess out to meet Jesus. All right, can we just get that out of the way? You don't have to sort your mess out to meet Jesus. We're the sort of church that we say we accept people where they are, which means in the mess. 
helping them to become all that God has designed them to be. Hear that? (laughs) We don't condemn you, but don't keep living like that. Change, be different. (laughs) Live your best life. So you don't have to sort your mess out to meet Jesus. Neither do I condemn you, now go sin no more. And, you know, I see this as a pastor all the time, right? Like, if, if you are the sort of person that's saying, or you're watching online and you're not even here because you don't want to turn up to a building because you think that you've got to get your mess together and I'll meet God and I'll think about Jesus when I've got my mess together. I, I say to you this morning, if that is you or you're feeling like that, then you, ha- you haven't come to your senses about Jesus. You don't... You don't know what Jesus is about. There is, if you think you are too whatever for Jesus, then you haven't fully comprehend what it is that he's doing. If you say, oh, you don't know what I've done, well, there's forgiveness to spare. If you say I have so many problems, well, there's power to spare. If you say I'm afraid I'll give up things that I like doing, there's joy to spare. And so you don't have to get everything together to meet Jesus. The other quick one this morning is whenever, and this is what we've got to understand, church, Whenever Jesus gives you a, a word of grace, there's also a challenge to growth. Ever experienced this? <laughs> you get the grace. He says, come on, enough of that. And I tell you what, I think that's pretty reasonable. Go and sin no more. He says, I don't condemn you. But he says, don't live like that. You know, a lot of us think Jesus says, don't, you know, I don't condemn you and then blank. But he says, go and sin no more. There's a challenge to growth. And here's the thing, that's what true grace, grace is. Because no one, no one ever loves with a blank. And here's what I mean by this. You know, if, if, you, if you saw a child whose life is in a mess, you're just not going to say to them, oh, well, oopsie-daisy. What do you do? You, you get in there, you, you, you want to shift them, you want to change them, you want to grow them, you want to help them see what life could be, you want to help them live their best life ever what we say to our kids every single morning they go up to school are you living your best life ever today <laughs> you want that for your kids um i see that i've got we've got another number of good friends over the years that have adopted children and in in the most genuine and non-critical of way you know often in those situations um life is messy it's messy for them and it, and the grace that is bestowed to these precious children is costly to those parents. Because when they walk that child into their brand new home of grace, do you think they turn to the child and say, oh, we'll just keep living how you always used to live? No, they, they love them and they guide them and they rebuke them and they cop crap back the other way and, and they go through all the messiness, but they hold firm and they stay firm and they work through because... They're modeling the way that Jesus modeled grace and grace is never just forgetting about what it ever was, but grace is interrupting self-destructive behavior. You hear that? Grace is not just forgetting about whatever happened, it's interrupting self-destructive behavior. I always say here that the opposite of love is not hate, it's indifference. Parents in that space, they're not indifferent. And here's the thing, church, if that's how an earthly adoptive parent loves their child, then how much does our heavenly adoptive parent love like that? Stop that child, he says. Not because he wants to make you more aware of the things that you've done wrong in your life. We all know what we've done wrong in our life. 
It's because he wants to guide you and hold his ways like a torch to your feet so that you grow into the best version of yourself that you could possibly be. That's real love. That's real love. And here's why, as we finish up this morning. Um, I don't know about you, but I've been there. And let's, let's be real, playing some loud music in a backyard is probably not the worst thing that I've done over the years. I've done some other ones that we'll just wait till we get to know each other a little bit more and maybe I'll share, right? But I don't know about you, but have you ever found this when you're stuck right in the middle of, of a mess? that it's really difficult to pray yourself out of a mess that you've behaved yourself into. <laughs> right? But we try anyway, don't we? <laughs> right? We behave ourselves into these messes and then we try. Lord, help me. I think the difficulty is that um, you, you can't pray yourself out of compulsive lying. And you can't pray yourself out of self-destructive behavior. And you can't pray yourself out of selfishness. You can't pray yourself out of social inappropriateness because you've refused to receive feedback about your behaviour. Have you noticed this? You can't pray yourself out of that. And yet, I don't know for you and I, we want an NRMA Jesus, don't we? We just, we want an NRMA Jesus. We want the sort of Jesus that when, you know, we're driving along and life breaks down, right? You just call him, 131 G-O-D, Right? (laughs) You know, he comes along, flashing lights, you know, pops up the hood of your soul, tweaks a few things for you, gives you a really good message, puts the hood back down, walk out of church this morning, great sermon, all right, that's good, and I'll see you next time you break down. Oh, he's your heavenly father. And he wants to love you and lead you out of the mess. He doesn't want to pluck you out in prayer. Last time I checked, by the way, too, no one's ever followed Jesus into a mess. Have you noticed that? (laughs) They might have followed Jesus through a mess. And you know, because I know your stories of the way that he has sustained you and he has upheld you and he's kept you strong and and the way that he has been the hope of the way that you've gotten through those days where you think, if it weren't for Jesus, I don't think I could do anything else today. He's led you through him, but he's never led you into a mess. He's never caused you to be a mess And so it's very difficult to pray yourself out of that. And that's why in John 8, the beginning of the passage, he says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus hasn't come to make you more aware of your messes. He's come to lead you out. Right? And I know for some of you, you know, part of the reason, well, that's why church has hurt you so much, because you think that Christians are just professionals at making you aware of your messes. Let's just, for this church at least, can we just declare we're all a mess, right? I am a, I am a mess, because I know I'm a mess. I, I, I see a mess when I see one because I know I am one, right? So let's just declare that easy, church, up front, and say that we're all a bunch of messes, and therefore we have to stop judging everyone else's mess, right? Because he says, I condemn you no more and if that was good enough for jesus don't you think that would be good enough for us church and don't you think that's the type of community christian community that the watching world is yearning for a community that the minute you walk in says i don't condemn you i don't judge you right he says neither do i condemn you which means it stops you from being the religious type but it also means that it stops you from being the good type right Because if any of us come into this place this morning and think that any of our sense of goodness this week is enough to meet his standard of the law, 
And you're going to do this 50 times this week. You're going to strive to be fine. You're going to stri- strive to be fine by um, their eyes, whoever they are. And you're going to be strive to be fine by, by other people's lies and your, your parents' eyes or your kids' eyes. Or most of all, you're going to try and be fine by God's eyes. And we've seen in accordance with the law that fine never cuts it. I condemn you no more. Hey, as we finish, you know, years later, I'm sitting at the table with my auntie and um, she's like in the middle of a bit of lamb or something. We're just talking about weather and we'd had a round for dinner and somehow the badminton game came up and, uh, and she just said to me out of nowhere, she says, um, you, you know that they moved out, didn't you? I'm like, what are you talking about? She's like, the old people next door, that time when you played all the ridiculous music with your cousin, you know that the people next door moved out, didn't you? I'm like, no, I didn't. I thought I just went to my room and it was all fine and done and dandy and you said a few words. She said, no, like that cost me tens of thousands of dollars as the owner of the retirement village next door. Um, And so what was really interesting in that moment... (laughs) is that as I became more and more aware of my mess, and my previous mess, and what it cost, do you reckon it made me love my auntie more or less? And the thing is, if we have the courage to look at the messes in our lives, then we can look at what Jesus says when he says, I condemn you no more. We Christians are always going on about the cross. You know why we are? Because every time we go on about the cross, every time we come to communion this morning, what we're really doing is we're sitting down at the table with him. And it's one of those little loving moments where he just says to us, do you, do you realize what happened back then? <laughs> I paid for that. <laughs> that cost me. The only reason that he can say to you and I this morning, I condemn you no more, is because he said, I, I paid for it. I paid for it. And when we have the courage to look at messes in our lives and our messes before God doesn't make us love him any less it makes us love him more thank you for that father look it means I speak to one of two people this morning it's the sort of person who came in thinking I'm pretty good and I hope you see not from me I'm just the male boy remember that Jesus messes with the good and so if you want a trajectory of being good this morning if you want to be religious like Jesus says that's fine The deal was just keep applying unbiased and unmercilessly and relentlessly the standard that you have for everyone else's behavior to your own life. And if you can live up to that, then good for you. The other type of person this morning is the one that has the courage to say, yep, I'm a mess. I know I'm a mess when I see one because I am one. And when we have the courage to acknowledge that before him, it doesn't dampen our love for him. It makes it even more. It grows it even more. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the way that you demonstrate your compassionate genius through this story this morning. Lord Jesus, as we head to communion, would you grant in each of us the sense of joy and and courage that comes from those words that you you utter to us, not just to that woman. Well, neither do I condemn you.
I pray for those of us in this room this morning that think uh, they've got messes in their life that are too big to be fixed or redeemed or to be solved. And if we're real this morning, Lord, what we hear from you is not so much a fix for these solutions, for these situations. But the strength and most of all the presence of you with us to continue to move forward and to leave these things behind. Father, for those of us that are blessed enough to be in between messes this morning, I pray that you would grant us the wisdom to make uh, the right decision each step of the way and that you would bring people into our lives that would surround us and as we've been learning this year uh, be voices of reason and clarity in our lives most of all Lord we thank you for your unrelenting mercy and grace towards us and I pray for this precious community that is your church that as we each maybe in this time of communion come into a greater awareness of what it cost you to utter those words nor do I condemn you that we would continue to be a people who outpours grace and openness and love and acceptance to the people around us help us do that well Lord I pray in Jesus mighty name Amen. Well, thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to find out more about Northside, visit northsidechurch.org.au.